Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it's been protected down through the centuries. And we hear today we can stand and read it and have confidence in it. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. And as I open it today, Lord, just bless the hearing, Lord, that we may take it and may apply it and bring glory to your name. Amen. Not having a good start, am I? I'm dropping everything. There's a proverb that uh, I think was attributed to uh, Waldo Emerson. But it, it's based on the proverb in the Scriptures, which is Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says this, it says, as a, man, as a man thinketh, so he is. That's the King James Version, right? As a man thinks, so he behaves. And we're going to look into the scriptures this morning and find that this is actually what happens to the nation of Israel. Now, years ago... I was a clinical psychologist and most of clinical psychology, most any psychology, is based on this idea. If you have right thinking, you're going to make good decisions. You have bad thinking, you're going to make bad decisions. And so this is what we're going to look at. So most of the thoughts that uh, come out of this passage are a bit of a mix of what I hopefully be good theology and good psychology. So travel with me. And so today we'll be looking at how this, that proverb gets fleshed out in the lives of this nation of Israel. And Numbers 13 and 14 give us a picture of this nation it's been hundreds of years since they've known freedom. They've been captive in Egypt. And it's only been maybe two and a half years since they've been able to throw off those shackles, cross the Red Sea, and now they're heading towards the Promised Land. And they stand there. And it's before them, their whole future. This is what's been promised to them since the time of Abraham. This is an exciting time. And God says to Moses, send a scouting party. Send them from each tribe and go in and look at the land and bring back a report. Let's see what it, the bounty is there and maybe even have a look and see if there's any dangers. 
And so let's pick up the account of those scouts as they come back and report to Moses as to the condition of the promised land. Let's pick it up at verse 25 of Numbers 13. It says, At the end of 40 days they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land. The land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land where you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. And here's the fruit. And if you look back at the previous passage they were carrying one cluster of grapes on a pole between two people that's still one of the symbols of Israel today but the people who live there however are powerful and their cities are fortified and very large we even saw descendants of Anak there the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites, they live in the Kill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do this. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. These are the descendants of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Think about that. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. How did they know? what they look like to the inhabitants of the promised land. What they were engaging in was what we call projection. They felt that way so they assumed everybody else saw them that way. And over my years in, in clinical work I saw many people who judged themselves or they judged others by what they felt about themselves and they judged others by how they felt other people felt about them. They never had that sense of who they are. Their identity was always formed by what other people told them. Very sad. Young kids that are told they're stupid, they'll never amount to anything. And they grow up never amounting to anything because their mind has been distorted 
by these lies or mistakes that occurred in their life. But as this text opens, we see them literally standing, knocking on the door of the promised land. They can see it. It's been a long time coming. They'd heard about it for generations, even while they were treading in the brick pits in Egypt. They knew that sometime later, sometime soon, eventually, maybe, maybe not, God was going to give them the land that he promised. It wasn't really <coughs> that obvious to them, but now they stood there and they could see it. And then suddenly, all that evaporated. There were already these people living in their land. And they were giants. What had happened to the vision of the promised land, milk and honey? Someone else was enjoying it. And so instantly their enthusiasm vanished. And they reverted to their old slave mentality. They were powerless. They weren't going to step into the promised land out of fear and uncertainty. And you know the story. They backed off and they spent one year for every one day of those scouts in the land, they spent 40 years wandering around the desert when they could have stepped into it and their future was there, but they looked back. They kept complaining. Moses, why have you brought us into this desert? Let's go back to Egypt. At least we had a food, at least we had a feed and a covering over our heads. But the text concludes with these words that echo through their whole lives here. And it's the reason why they never went into the land. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them what I call the grasshopper mentality. The grasshopper mentality distorts your sense of who you are, your sense of calling, your own abilities, they all get distorted. When you believe like a grasshopper, that you're living in a world of giants. See, the reality that they were supposed to have was that they were God's nation. That he was walking ahead of them. That he had given them this land. See, Caleb knew it. He said, we can go up and take it. It's already been given to us. It's promised to us. Let's go. But their grasshopper mentality had distorted their sense of who they were. They lost 
the idea that they were God's people. They'd also lost the idea of what they could accomplish with God's help. It had only been two years, two years, when God told Moses, get the people out of here. And they went down to the river, the, dead, the Red Sea, chariots thundering up behind them with Pharaoh's army and God parted the Red Sea and they crossed and then the sea closed in and destroyed Pharaoh's army. Two years, short memories. They had forgotten what God could accomplish in their lives and they were worried about a few tribes of giants. Of course, the Nephilim were large, but the word doesn't necessarily mean tall. It just means they had voracious appetites. They were big. But we know that Joshua went in and took them 40 years later. That generation never got to see the promised land other than Caleb and Joshua. They all perished in the 40 years of wandering. But it's been my clinical experience that people that have a grasshopper mentality usually do so because they've had past experiences that have been so negative. They've maybe tried a, a profession and it's failed or a relationship and it's failed. Or they've been raised in a family where they've been neglected or abused. And so their sense of self is distorted and they grow up feeling like grasshoppers in a land of giants. Not an uncommon experience. As a man thinks, so he is. Past experiences lay down our memory tracks about who we are. So it can be an experience that we've had or it can be messages that we've been told. Think about it. What is your sense of who you are? Who does God say you are? Special creation. Worthy of love. Yes, we're fallen, but he sent his son to restore that relationship so that we would not have a sense of being a grasshopper. We are overcomers. We are sons of the almighty God and daughters of the almighty God and grandparents, grandchildren and so on. That's who we are and that's who they were but they had a distorted view 
of who they are, who they were, and what they were there for. But not only that, they had this diminished view of God's faithfulness. As I said, two years before they saw that demonstrated. And now they stand in uncertainty and doubt. They look back beyond the Red Sea to Egypt. Oh, Moses, they said, why have you brought us here? We'd rather go back. We'd rather have the onions and leeks than the quail and the manna. They had a distorted view of God's faithfulness. Their faith waned about his promise to Abraham. Their faith diminished as the size of these giants grew. You can imagine what the stories went around those four million people that were gathered at the edge of the promised land. Twelve men came back. They said, yes, they're, they're giants in the land, the Nephilim. Well, you can imagine what it was like a week later. You know, they have... 40-pound babies, 40-kilo babies. You know, their faith in the Lord diminished as their pictures in their mind of the obstacles grew. Have you ever had that happen? You are facing an obstacle here. Who's going to be the new pastor. It's not an obstacle that needs to absorb all your thinking and get out of hand. As was prayed, he already has that person in store, in preparation, ready to come. Faith in him should not be diminished by the uncertainty and doubt. In his timing, his person will arrive. Don't look back. Paul was great. Look forward. Paul's not coming back. Right? Look forward. Don't let doubt and uncertainty or lacking your belief of God's faithfulness. So what changes our view about God's faithfulness? Why does our mind get distorted about his ability to deliver for us? Well, it can be hard knocks. You could have gone through life struggling with certain things that happen in your life and you go, where's God? That will create uncertainty. Maybe it's not so much the hard knocks as the deeply felt losses, whether that be a relationship, a a friend, a neighbour, or a job. It could be a dream. 
and it's gone. And so your view of God's faithfulness becomes distorted and you go, well, he's not interested in me. How could God be interested in me when there's so many other problems in the world? But God can't be interested in me. Look at the giants I'm going to have to face. He's also God of those giants. He's in charge. The nation of Israel failed to see his hand in all of the aspects of their lives. So it could be the hard knocks, it could be the deeply felt losses, or it could be the unanswered prayers. You go, well, God's ineffective. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and he still hasn't answered. He probably has. He may have said no. An answer may not be yours, the one you want. May have been hang on a little while, there's still things to be accomplished or it could be graciously granted at that time. Because he says if we pray in, in accord with his will, what's that mean? Well, it means that we're living so close to him that the prayers that we pray are the same prayers that he wants for us. But there's that caveat that says we need to be living close and righteous with him so that we have that accord in our wishes with his will. So, They stand on the edge. They've been told it's their land. They hear the reports. They get disturbed. They get distorted. What's happened to God's faithfulness? Why has he put these obstacles in our way? I'm sure if you're like me, sometimes that is your experience. So what do the giant killers look like? Instead of being a grasshopper, what's a giant killer look like? Let me do this quickly because I know that there's no clock. And when I dropped my phone, it stopped working. So I'll just relax and go with it. The giant killer has an accurate perception of who they are. In, in my old profession, it meant that they've got a good sense of boundary where they stop and other people finish. They don't have permeable boundaries where other people's ideas and other people's needs and wants and demands all crush their own. 
they have a good sense of who they are. And as believers, we can stand knowing we are redeemed in Christ. We are called for a purpose. We are called together for a purpose. And we are called for that purpose is to build each other up and build God's kingdom. That's who we are. We are God's people in this place with each other to accomplish his will. In this case, Evan's head. This is who you are. This is who I am. I'm a special creation that God loves and sacrificed his son that we may be part of his family. Hang on to that. We're also people in whom he's invested his Holy Spirit. Second, third persons of the Trinity are all involved in our lives. Christ saved us. The Holy Spirit is there to serve the Father through us. He sanctifies us. He tells us when we're sinning. He helps us rejoice when good things are happening. We're his people. But also we've got to remember his faithfulness, unlike the nation of Israel. The giant killers, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do it. It is God that has promised this to us. He took us out of Egypt. For two years now, we've been walking. We've only got the clothes we came out with. We've only got the shoes on and they haven't worn out. What's that tell us? He is faithful. Giant killers, remember God's faithfulness to them from what they have been redeemed from, from what they've been rescued from, what he has given them as they've walked with him, unlike the nation of Israel at that time. They stopped looking back to the bad things, just recall what God is doing in their lives. So I ask you to think about two things in closing. What are the giants in your lives? What are the giants that you're facing personally in your life? Can you look at those giants eye to eye, rather than from the mentality of a grasshopper and magnify their size? Because you have God's power through his indwelling Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a giant in God's terms. Whatever it is you're facing, 
It's not a giant to God. So what is it that you're facing at the moment? And secondly, what is it that you are putting your faith in that if God doesn't turn up, you're doomed? Go back to the edge of the river or the edge of the sea, thundering chariots. If God doesn't turn up, you're dead. God turned up, parted the sea, you crossed. So what is it that you're facing that's a giant? And what is it that you're facing if God doesn't turn up and his faithfulness doesn't occur, you're doomed? That's an uncertainty, that's a doubt. But he has turned up, he will turn up. He will give you the pastor, he will give you that desire of your heart as a congregation as you walk as you walk faithfully close to him let me pray father we are fallen humans and we do have distorted views of ourself and yourself we do struggle with not seeing the things we want supplied immediately in our lives. Lord, we have distorted views. We have diminished views of your faith. Lord, you are so faithful. Lord, you've given us your Son. You've given us your spirit. Lord, help us to walk with those truths undistorted in our lives. We are special. We are created for your service. Help us to walk confidently in that path. In Jesus' name, amen.